Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Fosterkew. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame, and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hey Smashers, it's February. Get in! This week's guest is a lovely man and hobbyist food historian, Ned Sedgwick. You've probably heard him on the podcasts Grown Up Land and Global Pillage, and he's got another one coming out in the next few weeks, which sounds amazing. We'll hear more about that in the podcast. Just to gabble out some lovely things to tell you about first, though, if you've got any spare money, do you want to help me run this podcast and grow it? Go to patreon.co.uk forward slash the hoovering pod. Basically, uh, you get rewards like uh, discount tickets to live shows, some free tickets to stuff and guest recipes and all sorts of other things. In fact, I'm going to add some new snazzy things in the coming months to some of the tiers. Um, yeah, and in exchange, I get to do amazing adventurous things with this podcast, like invest in um, more exciting live shows and travels, and oh, I've, I've got some incredible guests and projects lined up. Anyway, more at patreon.co.uk forward slash the hoovering pod. Have a squiz, see if it's something that might interest you. Talking of live shows, which if you're a patron, you get some discounts two if you're five bucks and over um we have got a bunch of them coming up we've just had two amazing sold out nights at the hen and chickens in islington oh uh, 
it was a real good fun. The next one coming up is in Newcastle as part of the Maps Festival run by the brilliant Chalk team. That's on the 16th of February. We've got badass guests coming to that. Seymour Mace, awesome clown and comedian off of Ideal and Anna Hedworth, local mega chef and a couple more guests actually being announced any minute. And then in London, we're at the Vault Festival on the 3rd of March. I am millimetres away from announcing some seriously exciting guests for this. Listen out. Uh, And then also we're in Glasgow on the 30th of March as part of the Glasgow International Comedy Festival. So far, we have got Susan Cowman coming off of News Quiz and Strictly. That is going to be so fun. Tickets are available for all of those live shows through the ACAST page where the uh, you probably get your podcast from. If you don't get it from iTunes, have a look on ACAST. That's um, in the episode notes. There are links to all the live shows coming up. And also on my website, jessicafosterq.com, under my doings, along with all my stand-up gigs, there'll be links to the live hoovering shows. And if you want to come and see me do some stand-up I'm doing new material in London I run a club called Honers Club which is at least once a month and doing bits of new material in the old preview but also if you're anywhere near Leicester please may you come and see me do a preview there Um, I'm on on the 22nd and the 23rd of February it should be findable with a quick Google anyway anyway let's get on with this week's podcast Ned's got some fascinating knowledge in that lovely coconut of his and if you listen carefully there's even a little bit of gossip about the queen in this episode which has frankly only made me want to kiss her more just tell me like one of the best and worst things you've eaten in the last week or so oh best thing I've eaten in the last week I would say oh god what have I Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Have I been out to eat a pizza? Ooh, I love. But I couldn't sleep. It was too salty. Really? I is up there with best damn. I had a pizza. Oh, it can be the same item. That hasn't happened yet. I I think I'm gonna go for this pizza I had, which was. um, It had blue cheese Mm -hmm. and uh, Tuscan sausage and bacon on top. Was it sourdough base? Uh, it was kind of crispy, classic yeah. base. It was, it was really bloody. It wasn't Franco Manca, if that's what you're okay, thinking. No, uh, but it was. But the problem was, it was enormous. Yeah. And it was a bit sloppy. And I have very bad sleeping. And I've realised that one of the main things that t- triggers a bad night's sleep is eating rich and salty food. Right. I have no one to blame but myself. But I, <laughs> but I woke up at four thirty in the morning. Oh no! And I couldn't. Miss. The other thing with it, I couldn't pick it up, and I couldn't eat it. Yeah. I couldn't couldn't get to it properly. That's frustrating, mm. you know, isn't it? You have to sort of, you just have to shamelessly start folding it in oh. and make yourself a calzone parcel, handfuls of calzone out of it, don't you? I, I might ask you to edit this bit out, especially if it's at the beginning, because yeah. it's going to make me. I, I, I'm always worried about my voice and how people who haven't listened to me before will jump to the worst conclusions about me. But I was sat next to a girl whose sister is Princess Charlotte's oh, godmother. Oh, Jesus Christ. And I was there with this, like, sloppy, <laughs> blue sloppy And people might hear me and be like, well, that doesn't sound like... For me, that she is, she is like, She's posh. Really posh. She's, like, royalty. Yeah. And I was there, like, yeah, so... you see that much? Like... Gorgonzola dribbling down my <laughs> chops. So that was a that was a uh, that was a That's that was a good. So it's the best because it tasted amazing, but bad because it was hard to eat and it kept you up all night. Yeah, cramps and cramps and insomnia, salt insomnia. 
Yeah, it's, a, it's really it's really uh, marked with me. Rich food, I can understand, but the salt bit. I yeah, that's... so curry. Even if I have like a veggie curry, and uh, yeah, and, and I make it too salty, I, I will. I will find it really. I get really? maybe I just don't do enough exercise. Um, <laughs> worst thing, I put tuna. So I was quite ill a few months ago. I was ill for about. I had. Um, uh, the squits for about a month. Oh no! Um, and I thought I was intolerant to something, so mm. all I could eat was kind of noodles. Uh, right. I was boiling the bag noodles, and I the other day, and I kind of got into eating them because actually they're quite healthy. And I just put some cabbage in now, yeah. and put some I just put some stuff in to make it a bit more exciting. Um, because I used to spend too much on lunch. I used to be like, what am I... Because I live five minutes... I work a five-minute walk from my house. So I was like, what feast am I going to make yeah, myself yeah. this lunch? Uh, and I put tuna in it, and that was fucking minging. For oh, some reason, yeah, it just yeah. like... Tuna in noodles is bad, yeah. isn't it? My friend... I won't say who, because I love her mum to bits, but her mum did her a stir-fry, but it was pasta, and it was just like, oh, a fucking Ooh, wretch no. thought of it. It's just a, yeah, weird, it's just the, that is the wrong wet boiled carb yeah. to put with those flavours. No, thank you. I was, th- I was thinking about having um, curry with, with pasta the other day, and I was like, it won't, it it won't it, bloody work. It won't work. It won't, because I, I wanted pasta, and I wanted to make myself a curry. It doesn't make like, any sense, because it works with bulgur wheat, it works with couscous, it works with, yeah, so many couscous other is, things. Couscous is, pasta comes from couscous. Yeah. Couscous, the North African, the North Africans made couscous. Did they? No, but I know and then, that. And then, and then the Sicily, uh, got bulk of wheat, which is what, durum wheat, durum wheat, which is what, um, couscous is made for. And then they started inventing <gasps> pasta. So again, multiculturalism, cultures, the Arab invasion. It's just invasion a complete of, learnt thing then, our repulsion to pasta with curry. But. Wonder what it is. Do you think it's a, what well, can't be eggs? Because sometimes you get eggs in a curry, and it's really oh, amazing. Good. Eggs in a curry, mainly. I mean, uh, I I lived in uh, God. I sometimes think so, I lived in Myanmar for a bit, but I, lived, <laughs> I, I did. Next, I did literally you are live there. Posh, and you sound posh, yeah. but your hands are up to it. Who cares? Yeah, I. I uh, <laughs> and the best curry that was egg curry. Really? Yeah, because cause it was. I don't know why they just it coated they. I think they kind of did a way of coating the egg. I think they maybe right. put a bit of flour or something on the outside Ooh. of the egg. It was hard boiled and all, it was really oniony, lightly spiced, and it was it was blooming good. Oh, it sounds amazing! I really want to ask. So, if you listen to the Guilty Feminist or um, Global Pillage, moreover, which Ned is on, then you'll know that um, Ned's nanny was Deborah Francis White. <laughs> But I know from your mum that you were only about three or four, so you yeah. might not remember it. But I, my question as I've written it was, um, what was her cooking like? Did you get really high-end deliveroos? Did she make Tom do it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Deborah comes every year for Christmas still. <laughs> and every now and then, uh, Tom will cook us all a meal. Oh, yeah. De- Deborah won't. Deborah knows where her strengths are. Her yeah. strengths are... In uh, changing the world. In, in and having a husband who is in changing the world for the better <laughs> and having someone else do the cooking. Tom is a fantastic... And Tom loves cooking, so she's very generous at letting Tom uh, cook. Um, <laughs> she I, told me she did the, my first ever episode of this podcast and she said that, so there's nothing controversial. Yeah, she was like, I, Tom does the cooking, she does the hosting. The drinks I cannot and the hosting, comprehend... Well, yeah, Tom does the drinks, but yeah. She does the hosting. She drinks and drinks and does the hosting. I cannot 
I do not have well my first memory in my of my life and it's probably an imagined memory but my first memory in my life is having is to do with food and to do with Deborah oh, it is being you. introduced to Deborah whilst I was eating some uh cocoa pops when I was free and that's that is if I work out my earliest memories that's the earliest one wow of course wow. she was only Five at the time. Yeah, um, she was a child herself. Yes, an extraordinarily responsible one, putting yeah. charge of other children. It's I can tell, but I cannot comprehend. Because she's not. Did she? So your mum told me just earlier today yeah. that you won't remember her cooking because you no. were so young. So of course you won't. So it's a silly thing for me to plan. No, no, it's but fine. she remembers De- Deborah having a really amazing technique for mashed potato, where she'd whisk it. Which made it super creamy. Whereas if you wow. so if you mash it, it's really hard to get all the lumps out. But if you actually try and whiz it, it turns to glue. She but whisking mustn't. it was this amazing. So it turns out actually, Deborah she... we mock, but has a culinary secret super skill, which I bet Deborah doesn't even remember. Yum in my tongue. It's not burning. I think when it begins to burn, that's when it's good. Oh, is it? Well, I think so. Broadly. <laughs> um, it's vegetable, so it doesn't matter if it... <laughs> that's the attitude. It's just you a know. vegetable. Oh, no, we won't get ill. I ate some um, burnt kale last night. Have you ever roasted kale? Mmm. It's a really beautiful thing to do, except the difference between seven and eight minutes is perfect and completely black. <laughs> So it's just like, yeah, it's like sort of thin wisps of coal. Yeah. And I'm so ashamed that I still do that maybe 80% of the time that I roast it, that I, I eat all the burnt bits off the top and just... This is a good re- bit. Yeah, I just reveal. Well, no, in secret, like before I'm being watched, and then just serve the green underbelly of it. I can't stop taking pictures, even though I've got already got 18 pictures of these um, brownies, I can't stop taking pictures because they look lush. We could have pudding first. I don't mind having pudding first. Shall we just say pudding yeah, first? Um, first? Okay, so what's happened is this amazing woman who's genuinely, how cool is this, called Susie Lemon, Ooh, um, has got a bakery in Norfolk called Simply Cake Company, and she's done a deal for um, hoovering listeners. Actually, let's look that up and tell you about the deal. But she sent me, she's going to do a vegan range every month of her brownies. And... Um, yeah, this is them. But I don't know how they work is, out which is one's she, which. Is she a character from a mid-noughties rom-com? <laughs> Susie Lemon. She's finally opened her artisanal bakery. And like, it's, it's a bit after the film. It is a little bit. So, right. Well, I, I don't know if I should reveal this before we try them. But looking at them, they're going to be fit. I don't know what they are. But one of them's got, like, dehydrated... Re- yeah, what's it called? A... Dehydrated raspberries on the roof. One of them looks chocolatey. <laughs> One's got Oreos, that's the one I'm looking for. And and if you want to try these, there's a discount, Hoovering Pod. Put Hoovering Pod in the discount code bit of her Simply Cake Co. website and you get free delivery. And that code, whenever you're listening to this, lasts until the end of April. So it covers Valentine's and Easter. Right. Okay, I've got a coffee, I've got some water. I'm going to start with the one I most want to eat, which is Oreos. I'm going to start with what I most want to eat, which is the red pebbles. Really? The, uh, the, yeah. The raspberry. I, mm. I think so. Right. I think it's because it just, oh. it looks so beautiful. Yeah, it does. It's great, that pink on me. Oh. Raspberry goes with chocolate so well. Oh, I like the crunchy roof. Mmm. It looks like it's going to be quite dense. Mmm, my word. That's so cool. Mmm. There's like a layer of coolie. 
in between the the top the roof as you describe it of chocolate. Yeah, there's a bit of coolie there or oh jam or something. Oh my god, look at that! Oh god, I'm trying your one. Okay, yeah, the Oreo one's one. really nice. Mm. Imagine being able to. Well, you might be able to do this, but I just can't comprehend having the patience. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yay! My lack of patience is such a. I can't even finish a mouthful <laughs> before speaking. The patience it would take to stick some coolie in between a topping and a brownie mm, base. But also getting the equation and the maths exactly mm. right for baking it, that it, that one thing didn't completely dehydrate part of it, or... That's why no, it makes stews. I completely agree, but also, just make stews. You just make stews. Mm, um, I love making a stew, but... Because <laughs> you stick it all in and walk away. Mm. Yeah, I like that as well. Set a timer. Increasingly, I'm into that. I feel like the winter is all about that. I mean, summer I just put some more spices in. Yeah. And I'm like, look, it's like a it's Moroccan a, stew. It's a curry now. Yeah, yeah. What is the difference between a stew and a curry? I feel like as um, as King of Pedant's Corner on oh, the village, God, this that, is the sort of thing you ought to know. Absolutely got me with that one. I'm just about to start a book about the history of curry. Oh, great. And I read the, read the back of it, but it doesn't say what the difference is. I think that I think from reading the blurb of a book about curry that curry is something from influenced by the Indian subcontinent and a stew is something influenced by French techniques of cooking. I think you've maybe hit the nail on the absolute head. That feels like the most educated answer Yeah, I could, I could possibly conjure. And a pie, I'm really stretching, <laughs> is something which is... Influenced more by traditional English cooking. But it's all a mix. It's all a yeah. mix. Because well, we're all a mix. Mm, exactly. I mean, there's something which I can prattle on about. but And probably my main interest, my main thing I can talk about food is kind of food and culture. And you know the way tikka masalas are a national dish of Britain? Yeah. Because of our... I was reading the other day about Calcutta. And in Calcutta, one of their... Dishes, the dish of Calcutta, yeah. or one of them, I, you know, I think it's got lots, but is mutton chops. And that comes wow. from when we were there. Owning them. Yeah, when we were... Uh, <laughs> Just hanging around. One of, one of our better <laughs> legacies, depending on your attitude towards eating meat. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I just find that fascinating. That, that this, that what could be more kind of... Um, stereotypically Victorian than kind of a slab of a mutton chop but for some yeah. reason the idea of it apparently it's like spiced and okay. they serve it in a really and it's to such an exchange you know food is almost where the kind of lie of of, of monoculturalism is shown most obviously yeah because I a slightly... God, yeah, what a beautiful way of putting it. Anybody who thinks, please don't dilute my culture, you'd be like, well, then you've going to have, like, three items of nothingness to eat. Mm. Not, not necessarily, but you're going to get so bored. Like, surely... The concept of saying, oh, multiculturalism is a good thing about it. Multiculturalism is just culture. There's no mm-hmm. such thing, like, all culture is is a blending of, like, neighbours... And then your neighbours change and influences change. There's no... I was thinking that on the way here. It's got nothing to do with eating, but I caught like a tiny glimpse of one of those brilliant like um, science shows for kids that get put on TV over Christmas that my partner sits and watches with a pen and paper <laughs> in his 40s in through January. I mean, they're all really interesting. 
and there was one on paleont- paleontology and looking back at bones and you know the origin of man basically mm. and it's in the last few years it seems to have been realized that we're far more even neanderthals were far more interested with it integrated with early humans taking ages to get to europe maybe didn't happen but everyone was a lot more mingled there so one identifiable group anyway i just mm. i've been like musing on what what culture means ever since then just yeah. like we're all from the same gunk Exactly, and it's, 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 it's a kind of extraordinary, ah, oh, this whole, I, I mean, it, it, it is a real kind of um, pa- passion of mine. So I'm doing this podcast at the moment, mm. or I'm making a podcast at the moment, which has been quite ambitious in proving, um, it's been quite a project where I interview refugees about food. Amazing, um, Because, and it's in association with a charity called Timepiece who set up this app to get people talking to refugees, to get basically refugees to integrate more Not easily. only is like it great that you've got time to tell me about this amazing project, but you're so articulate about it. But while you're talking, I can just smash through all these cookies. I'm, I was literally like, I, I'm in the middle of a sentence and I'm really looking at that. Really. <laughs> <laughs> talking, talking about something quite... So, the thing about this integration... Thing, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so just to interrupt you then, you have to try that. Um, yeah, I'm going in for the raspberry one now and the the jam bit element looks incredible but the um the uh the oreo one the base of it looks like it's going to be so dry and it's actually just so light and do you know mm. what it reminds me of i can't believe these i, I should stop saying that about vegan stuff because it's mm. so often lush now but um it tastes of the the tube in uh, inside a boost Spot, yeah, spot on. Have you had the vegan, Greg's vegan sausage roll? Yeah. No, and I've been in two Greg's's, and they've been—they really, you can tell that they really thought I was a complete prick for asking. I went this morning to get one for you, but they sold oh. out again. I, I, I've had They're it. Selling out every morning in um, Camden Greg's. They're bloody brilliant. Are they? They're really, really good. And I, so I, for Grown Up Land, another podcast I do, uh, I mm. was vegan for a week, and. Right. Um, to try it, and it, it was interesting for me, and I, I'm aware it's a very kind of uh, emotive topic, and I don't want to, I don't want to kind of step on anyone's toes by talking about it or, or insult anyone. But I, I was slightly surprised at how hard I found it. Really, I yeah. wouldn't have to make that many changes to my lifestyle to become mm-hmm. a vegetarian, but. I actually thought that the step between vegetarian and veganism would be much smaller than it is. That's yeah, huge. Uh, Anyway, a part of that is I wanted to try, I was kind of imagining if I was vegan and I wanted to try things which were replacements mm-hmm. because I know that you can make amazing curries and stews, whatever, with vegan. Especially as they're your forte. Yeah, they are my, my <laughs> one, uh, my one thing. Um, and then, and I was trying a lot of kind of replacement stuff and. Some some was good, some was bad. Usually it was something different. You know, it tasted different to a burger. A vegan burger was very nice in its own right, and especially when you put some, I was about to say ketchup and mayonnaise, but not mayonnaise, ketchup and vegan-aise. Yeah, vegan-aise vegan is, is the best. amazing. It's yeah. exactly the same. It actually really, really does, if not better. in our house. I'm the only person who does bits of being vegan in our house, um, but I've completely swapped in vegan-aise without anybody caring, apart from finance. <laughs> it's just it's just about three pounds something for a mm. thing of it. It's the only difference is it's more expensive. No, it's, it's I was surprised, but the Greg sausage roll mm. is I would genuinely not be able to tell it from real sausage roll. Oh my god! So it is just like a fake 
Sausage roll, yeah. But no one knows what was in the meat version. So I, for, for me, it's a perfect thing for them to have swapped out for a planty substitute. Mm. Because the meat version is so suspicious and like vague about what bit of the pig that was anyway. They probably just have to promise that it's whatever percentage pork. But that doesn't mean that it's yeah, not probably so rank, but that it's, that it's, you know, it can be all sorts of bits of gross skin or whatever, eyelid, etc. Well, I'm, 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 I'm funny about uh, eating animals because I have a bit of a view that if I'm going to eat an animal I've got to be willing to eat every part of an animal and I'm a big offal fan I'm a big I'm a big fan of off cuts and everything yeah. because because of my lifestyle it means I do I work so close to home and yeah. you know, you're pretty calm and carbon brilliant actually if you work so close oh to yeah I've never even thought and of you that. still live and, and you still live yeah. where you grew up which is really environmental. I'm doing that entirely for environmental reasons. <laughs> uh, I I kind of thought, you know, it's a good argument to put to your parents why yeah. you haven't moved out, Ned. Yeah, you know, they they're like, when are you going to move out? And go, when's the planet going to be safe? <laughs> when are we going to reverse Ned, climate Captain change? Planet Cedric? So yeah, I'm still living in the basement. Um, <laughs> This weekend, just gone, um, at time of recording, I went on, on BBC Breakfast to talk about veganuary and the pros and cons. And they had me and a, a scientist, <laughs> <laughs> um, a guy who's uh, a professor, a lovely man called um, Dr. Charles Yeo. His whole thing that he studies is the science of what we eat. Mm. Fascinating man. Definitely going to have him as a guest. Yeah. Um, I just need to read his book first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway... Um, they, we both had, tr- in their head, we were in the air as people who tried veganism. Yeah. And I was obviously like, still, I'm still kind of th- yeah, three quarters doing it. Yeah. Um, You're largely vegan. Yeah. But, um, because I'm not completely vegan, I talked on there about, they asked whether it's more expensive and a privilege to choose to be vegan. And I was like, well, it's always a privilege to be able to choose what you're eating. Yeah. Full stop. But if you're talking about money, then ultimately, if you already know how to cook, it's cheaper to be vegetarian or vegan anyway because you're not buying you're not buying stuff you, you're just literally cutting stuff out and you if you're swapping out the cost of beans and pulses and lentils mm-hmm. for meat and dairy for your protein and that's how you're seeing it then ultimately it can be cheaper but if you're someone who chooses to eat meat very occasionally but very ethical about it i.e um you know really know the origin of the meat or whatever then that's a lot more expensive takes a lot more time takes a lot more energy yeah. Um, and I say that because I'm down and with whole carcass butchery and everything that you were talking about and exactly that I think if you're going to kill something to eat it even if you can't eat all of it do something with every single bit of it that you can yeah. of course that's just it feels like common sense but some people are so repulsed by that but I think that's idiocy it's education I think yeah. I'm, I mean I was quite lucky I, this area that I grew up in I sort of as discussed I still live at home but I still live in the house which I was born around the corner from and yeah. grew up in and this area I've been really lucky that it has such a range of communities. So there's a big Greek community, a Greek separate community, big Turkish community. There was a bit of a Lebanese one. You walk down the road, you're at Euston and Drummond Street is one of the kind of original curry house streets in in the UK. And so I was quite lucky that I grew up eating lots of stuff and properly you know, it was quite yeah, yeah, authentic. Not, yeah. And I remember in the a Lebanese restaurant, they always had lamb's testicles on the menu. And I think that as like a kid, being exposed to the fact that people ate lamb's testicles, yeah. 
it sounds so perverse, but but being exposed to the fact that people eat lamb's testicles when you're young, you kind of get over like yeah. eating black pudding. And also, my mum's from Lancashire, and um, we grew up kind of next to quite a few farms where we saw the animals, and the butchers are all proper butchers and. Uh, I grew up eating black pudding and black pudding, you know, once you're eating the congealed blood of a pig mm-hmm. with some oats in, you don't give a sh- you don't care. Yeah. You, 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 you're not then fussy about like what bit of the animal it was. Yeah. yeah. And that feels, to me, that feels like the sensible way to, to roll with it actually. Well, again, I, um... I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky. I, I, I'm lucky that I've grown up in an area of London that, uh, has this range. I'm lucky I have parents who were very open to trying new colour yeah. experiences. My grandfather was part, partly Indian and it was slightly kind of ignored uh, by elements of our... Or wasn't ignored, it was slightly a, a sore topic amongst parts of my that side of my family. Wow. But the only thing that they really spoke about and kind of accepted was a love of spice. Right. Uh, which, I think he moved here when he was five. I don't think... Yeah. I don't think it really... He didn't bring his five-year-old innate love of spice with him. He didn't come with yeah. his own rack. Yeah, it came, came from India. <laughs> came Pockets from Madras. Pockets saffron. Yeah, guys. We've got ten chilies and we're going to... Uh, and so he... I think it kind of... But yeah, I mean, I, I think I was quite quite lucky in that and this this um thing i i've got to be careful with so many things because i have had quite a, a lucky life in a lot of ways that just so easy to criticize so easy for me to criticize oh why don't you, people know how to why don't people eat black pudding why don't people eat try well, i think ultimately I, as well again like exactly like you just said that can come down to a point of privilege ultimately can't it like and if you're just told if you're if if you're never told it if you're never told what actually is in the meat of the things that people mm. are telling you the meat if the meat you get to eat is um you know a a, a ready-made um basics shepherd's pie and occasionally some nuggets or twizzlers or whatever mm. And you, no one ever asks you what's in it, and all you're ever seeing is imagery that that all of those brands will put the on their products. So the smiling animal, you know, it's not even. And there's this complete disconnect from what it was, which is, mm. to be fair, been what advertising and capitalism has done to our and supermarkets. Yeah, you know, there are pros, huge, amazing things about supermarkets, but ultimately they've perpetuated a disconnect between what a thing was and what it is when we're eating it. So it's, in a way, it's it's quite logical that if you're suddenly told, do you know that that wasn't the smiling yeah, you know, side belly of that thing that was actually its perineum. Yeah, that you're going to be like. Ugh, uh, uh. International dish, yeah. That's so, what the podcast is called. International, International dish. dish and the charity again. Uh, Timepiece, yeah. but we're, we're doing it with. Uh, we're going to do episodes with help refugees and oh, various right. things because the one of the massive issues facing refugees is when they finally do end up here, they're often put in hostels in middle of nowhere away from anyone they know they can't work until they've had their papers kind of approved they're given 37 pounds 50 a week which in england is nothing they might be up in in oldham and their friends might be down in london try getting from oldham to london to see your friends to see the only people you're connected to in a country which is not immediately opening and without making too big a thing of it especially not immediately opening if you if you didn't grow up in a culture with casual drinking yeah 
because that is such a massive way into yeah. British culture is going to the pub or going to doing a pub quiz or watching the football or even if you do drink because a lot of Syrians did drink it, it's yeah. that part is is not immediately obvious a lot of people suffer from from quite serious depression and yeah. they might be suffering from post-traumatic stress this is a way in of people and way to kind yeah. of connect with people is to cook with them and to eat with them and also I do think it's important to understand where people have come from, especially, I think, refugees who are so, even amongst kind of quite, you know, woke people, the imagery around refugees and around where they're from is quite often, and the writing about where people are from is quite often, implies that where they're from is a place without hope and a place without culture in a place that was kind of always predestined to be doomed liberal people will subconsciously dehumanize or kind of apply some darwinian cultural darwinian theory to a a destroyed nation or or somewhere like syria or somewhere like um uh, south sudan or 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 the darfur and 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 we will say that they they (sighs) there's a kind of implication that the culture wasn't really up to surviving (sighs) And I think food culture is such a immediate and accessible way of making people realise that there is so much depth, there is so much time, there is so much humanity and, and artistry in a way um, that, that these cultures have. And when people are fleeing and have to leave for whatever reason, whether it's economic or whether it's, it is for war, when people do leave these places, they are leaving behind more than, more than you know, their family. More than they're leaving behind a lot of their identity. And so, when they come to the UK, and nearly everyone I've interviewed said that before they came to the UK, they didn't really cook. They didn't really cook, and they they got their family or their friends to cook. Mm. And as soon as they got to the UK, they suddenly got this passion for cooking the food of where they're from because it's a sensory way of feeling at home. What I'm cooking now is what uh, was taught to me by somebody in, in International Dish. Oh, great. So who taught you it? Uh, a guy called Mo uh, yeah. Mohammed. He, he's from uh, Syria. Is he from? He's from a place just outside Damascus, a uh, uh, kind of place in the hills, which he kind of... Uh, he implied it was kind of a bit of a Kirby Lonsdale, if you right. were aware of a late district, kind of a, a little kind of tourist town. Yeah. Um, that kind of grew lots of food and stuff. And he... Uh, set up a pop-up when he moved to the UK called Mo's Eggs, which is brilliant. Cool. And it's kind of like a supper club, a lunch club. Nice. Where he cooks shakshuka or shakshukery style stuff and yeah. eggs. And I went to Mo's Eggs and I interviewed him the day after and I was like, oh, like, we're doing eggs. And he's like, I, did, I cooked eggs for six hours yesterday. I'm not cooking eggs. <laughs> and I always ask people to cook like a really simple thing that just reminded them of home, like nothing, um, nothing, like something that could be their national dish, but doesn't have to be. Yeah. Which had varying results. We had someone from Ethiopia come in and she was like, I'm just going to make lentil stew. And I was like, great. Ethiopian lentil stew is one of the most delicious things. Yeah. And she kind of, uh, throughout cooking, it became more and more clear that she wanted to cook us a full Ethiopian feast yeah. that hadn't wanted to tell us. <laughs> so we were like, so the beans and the carrots are going in. She's like, mm-hmm. It's like, so when do they go in? It's like, 
they go into this pot for a different dish. <laughs> and then she like Thank made God. cheese in front of us. And oh, we were like, wow. But, but yeah, so but this and the other stuff, Mo was like, I'm just going to cook what my favourite thing that my mum uh, cooked for me, which was uh, roasted vegetables. And I was like, can you say that in Arabic? So it sounds a bit more <laughs> like exotic. This is, experience has been so amazing for me. And, and I think when timepiece comes out and just generally for people who are who want to engage with refugees but don't know how perfect way yeah food and cooking and just a way of having a conversation way of kind of um you've taken what i've been doing just out of fun and greed mm -hmm. and love of food and given it a sort of a moral uh a couple, you know, a, or, a, a few of my friends. A, a few of my friends have said to me, "So these people have come, you know, walked across the continent, like yeah, in the back and, of vans, underneath trains, etc." And, and, you, and you're, you're getting them to cook for you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and people are saying you're doing a good thing, but yeah, because uh, you're an absolute asshole, man. <laughs> Delicious. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is as simple as it gets, really, but oh, I love it. Um, there you go. Oh my god, yum! There's a bit more, but oh, thank you. Right, oh, this looks amazing. And what are these things? Salt and no, oil. No, it's just salt and oil because usually it's a side dish. Mmm. Oh, it's so nice. It is. It just tastes... Everything tastes ex extra of itself. I naively and ignorantly was like, this will be like spicy roast veg. Mm. And actually it's just... Veg, oh, yeah. It's yeah. just veg roasted in a way where the veg tastes extra awesome, lovely of the veg itself. That's what I was, I was like, what goes in it? It's like salt, pepper, oil, oregano. And I was like, what about a bit of like paprika? He's like, no, no, no. Like sumac, you know, you want a bit of, he's like, no, that's We've not how we been, make it. Yeah. Oh my God, and it's so lovely. Mm. Literally, you just put it in the oven as well. It takes 10 minutes to make. Mm. 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 Mm.
Really? Mm. Oh, to prep. Yeah. But it tastes like... Has it been... Oh, have yeah. you roasted this for ages on a about really an hour, low? hour and a half. Wow, yeah. okay. So that's what it's all about. Mm. It's so sweet. Everything in it's so sweet. Also, my partner doesn't like peppers, so I never have peppers. Mm, you can go. And when, <laughs> when they've been roasted for this long, they almost... The tomato and the pepper go so mm. sweet. Because the tomato... Lot. So basically, it's um, courgette, potato, aubergine, garlic, carrots, mm. onion... And then on top, you slice the tomatoes and the pepper. So they're like on top. And it's even better with halloumi as well. Ooh. But I was, I thought I'd better, I knew that you do Don't eat cheese. But, but it's better, it's not very polite to go, well, actually, and actually for a bit, I was like, maybe I'll put halloumi on my half. And I was like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't be it's so comforting. This yeah. about this, it's really warming as well. It needs you a lot of salt. Earlier. I think that's a that's the thing. It's not like, um, yeah, it's not, you know, you wouldn't make it for the queen. You especially wouldn't make it for the queen because apparently the queen doesn't have garlic in anything. What? Mm. How she lived so long? No Superfood idea. my ass. Yeah. Slash <laughs> <laughs> yes, being a billionaire. Probably. Yeah. Well, do you think uh, maybe she'll take capsules? Mm. Um, that's that's probably it. Well, then, yeah, because all the oldest group, you know, because there are those tiny areas where people live to like a hundred. Yes. Isn't that more to do with um, greens? I saw an amazing program when I just had my son about pregnancy all around the world. To be fair, it was kind of like look at these strange uh, anomalies rather than general trends. But there was a tribe somewhere. An exact proportion, I can't remember it now, of the population lived well into their 90s mm. and everybody else was dying in their 50s. That was just how they rolled and mm. because of that, whatever. And they had, um, some people had come in and studied this because it was such a weird thing that was happening that there were this proportion of the population randomly and they, and it turns out they all had um, birthdays within the same window and where they lived, it meant that in the first eight weeks of pregnancy, their mother would have been able to eat fresh greens. No. And they then went on to live 40 years, nearly twice as long as all of their community. So, so when you were... Because of how important what it is you eat in the first eight weeks of pregnancy is, and it was the only time, and it is the only time in that area, you know, that there'd be access to, you know, a green, a, a fresh green. So did you... Did you find that out? I found out after I'd already had him and thought, oh God, I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Oh. How, many, how many weeks has it been? <laughs> putting down putting down your McDonald's. Like, yeah. oh. There's gherkin. I craved meat when I was pregnant. It's irrelevant. Mm. But I definitely, you know, I'm pretty sure I eat naked. I think, we, again, it's another thing we get, oh God, we're so lucky to have access to stuff all the time. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So I need to answer your brilliant question. Mm. If I was only ever allowed for the rest of my life one cuisine for breakfast, one for lunch, one for dinner. Yeah. I have to be different as well. They have to be different. Mm. I feel like the question is horrible. Yeah. Like, while you were away um, plating up our lush lunch, I, um, I've mused on it and I have found myself annoyed. We're so lucky to have access to everything. It's so limiting. On the flip side, I feel lucky that I'm like perversely happy to have what other people would consider to be a definitely late in the day meal for breakfast. Yeah, okay. Um, so I'm going to go Mexican for breakfast. Brilliant. No, no. My brother's girlfriend's half Mexican. He's straight off the bat. There's yeah. a lot of Mexican food you don't like huevos rancheros yeah. and exactly. you, they have like tacos Well I think Mexican breakfast. breakfast yeah exactly and I think I'm sure nine days out of ten I could have like huevos rancheros or yeah. one of the things I know about but no one's to stop me within the cuisine 
having chili. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and obviously, or guacamole, whatever. Like, and obviously, you can you can veganize your yeah. your your dishes. They don't have to be. There's loads of lush bean, like stuff done with really slow oh, cooked, broken down beans, beans refried oh. beans. Yeah. Black beans. Yeah. Oh. Black beans. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Sometimes I just buy some black beans, mm. get some garlic and onion in there, bit of, bit of stock. Oh, it's all you need. It is it's all, all you, you need. need. Stick that in a jacket potato. Ooh. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then from this point on, I'm still really bad at making decisions. I think you've I, got further than most people. I, I, I go for really, I go for English because I I uh, I eat meat. So, right, and I and for breakfast, yeah, you it, the fry yeah. up. Of course, the fry up. Fry up, and also like baked beans. I suppose baked beans yeah. are kind of American. But baked beans and roast tomatoes, mushrooms. Mm. Oh, I love 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 mushrooms. Mm. Um, and then you can probably have like porridge as well. Yeah, lunch. Oh, it's hard, isn't it? So I'm always tempted when I think of this. It's, I think I'd have to have Italian for lunch or something. Just mm. pizza and pasta. I make pasta with tomato sauce. And like, as in, I make yeah. tomato sauce. Yeah. It was the first thing I ever cooked. And I suspect it'll be the last thing I ever cook. Do you think? I, I, I'm obsessed so with it. Much. I thought that was me being a, a parent that meant that that was a, such a staple in my life. But mm-hmm. every single time that in my kitchen there is celery carrot and white wine mm. and i don't really drink white wine as it, i mean yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't it, it gets a in, but it's yeah, really, yeah. it really just it really you'll you have it when you're done with a brandy yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> you'll wake a, up and there'll uh, be an empty bottle i have to be in, in the exact mood <laughs> for it as opposed to red wine which i'd have for breakfast if it yeah. <laughs> which cuisine red wine for breakfast white wine for it's a snack it's a snack I'm in my tongue. I knew that people found it funny how much I could eat. Like, I could eat, like, a, <laughs> an unsettling amount of food. Yeah. Like, I remember going for lunch with some family friends in Halifax, and we, we went to a pizzeria. I ate a whole, like, large, mm. that's probably about eight, large, thin pizza. Yeah. Then I got another one, and they were looking at me like, you know, the kind of incredible eating boy that... My parents were like, well, you can't get another pizza. And they were like, no, let's see him do it. And I was like, what's the issue, guys? And I think maybe that experience of, <laughs> of making people smile because how much I eat <laughs> yeah. also means that, uh, yeah, I haven't unhealthy. And still, I mean, I don't know how I haven't put on more weight. With eating? Yeah, because I just yeah. eat, I eat, uh, uh, I don't get and quite often when I'm feeling hungry I'll go to Greg's and get a steak slice yeah. at like 5pm which is yeah. not you know that's butter yeah <laughs> but that's not um, I mean you're but you're so young you can who cares mm. also you're just living your life yeah it's yolo. great y- y- yolo, so I've got so many things on that like You've made me think of lots of things. I think that's also my son. He's only three so far. But, like, in restaurants, especially Italian restaurants, including, by mm. which I include Pizza Express, just last weekend, they, someone on the staff there will fall in love with him because it's this three-year-old kid that is putting it yes. away. And it's not... He doesn't eat particularly... He actually eats really slowly, but he just fucking eats loads. And I just feel... 
an animal love and joy because feeding someone you love is a glorious thing to see and watch and do. Yeah. But also, it's great. This is I don't hilarious. want to get any stigmas about it. It is really funny. And it's also, like I'm watching like, a Labrador eating some uh, spaghetti. You're like, yeah. that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that and it's got to the point where, and also I just feel fucking gratitude because I know so many people who have to force their kids to eat. He'll even eat like uncooked greens. Like, it, it, it's amazing. But he, as a rule, you do have to be slightly careful to make sure he's getting enough the, mm. now that he eats everything I have to be mildly careful to make sure he's getting enough vegetables and that he's not getting too much crap because he will not stop no. if it's something with sugar and fat combined yeah. he won't stop to the point where we've just sort of had to say if you have or if you keep having more and more and more and more ice cream forever and ever and ever, you don't feel very well. And yeah. now, because he's as awesome as he is still a moron, <laughs> thinks every time anyone is ill, um, they've had too much ice cream. Every like every time he accidentally clap, there's a, like an advert for 24 hours and A&E on, he'll be like, too much ice cream, too much ice cream, legs falling off, too much ice cream. <laughs> brain freeze. And brain I don't think yeah, it's... Frozen off. It's all brain freeze. Oh, that's so... And, and all of that, like, it's fun now, but am I in some way damaging him? Will he get a load of like, fears or guilt about being someone who everyone points at because they're eating so much? Amongst, like, posh people, yeah. McDonald's, growing up, was the ultimate treat. Yeah. It was the, you know, you knew, you'd go down to, people yeah. go down to London. Like, all my friends have said, like, do you remember going, all my, like, posh friends being like, yeah. oh, yeah, McDonald's once a year for respect for my birthday, <laughs> the most amazing thing. And my, my dad, from quite a working class family, and he kind of made money in the city, and it's kind of, you know, not... He's not a class traitor, but he's kind of a class traitor. Yeah. And he, uh, he's he got this thing about ketchup. He's like, oh, ketchup, so, you know, ketchup. Oh, not ketchup for me. You know, oh, I don't believe you do that. The poshest people I've met are obsessed with ketchup. Because at boarding school, you don't get good food. And you Do make you? No. Oh, my. No, so talking about, like, turkey twizzlers and stuff, that's yeah. what we had for lunch. You ate crap because that is the money that the uh, people in charge of making food were given. They yeah. knew crap because they didn't want to feed you better food. Yeah. I went to boarding school when I was 13, and, you know, it's, it's like any school lunch and school supper. And you had yeah. breakfast, lunch, and supper there in the same room, eating the same stuff. And it was it was terrible. So ketchup was this thing that was like, yeah. oh my God, I can make this edible. Also, I don't think people realise it's full of sugar. No wonder everybody loves it. Yeah. I've actually tried it. Have you ever seen the way a kid, like a little kid reacts to it the first try? It's like, oh God, here we go. And it's the sugar in it. It's sugar and vinegar and like 1% tomato. So for grown-up land, I... I had to interview some kids for, like, the little beginning opening stings. Grown Up Land's a podcast I do about being shit at being grown-up. And <laughs> I um, I was amazed at their reaction to juice, as in the, the, the promise of juice yeah. was, like, the promise of Nirvana. It yeah. was, like, the promise of... It was, uh, it's their McDonald's equivalent to the McDonald's yeah. when you were growing up, of being, like, this, the ultra-treat... It's, My, but I'm sure it was like that for, for us, me. we were like, uh, when growing up, we didn't live any, because I grew up in the countryside, so we didn't have like a near McDonald's, and there still isn't one there, thank God. Like, it feels like if you drive around a lot like I do for work, it's like, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's yeah. one, there's one. 
I don't know. Imagine if I had an inbuilt, like that inbuilt child bit of me that like, that's a treat. I want a treat. Yeah. It's cool. It does a little bit of it rings that like, every time you see the fucking golden arches. Oh. It does. I don't know why I didn't say so fucking out loud. Yeah. Golden <laughs> arches. But we had a weird thing where, that, so all of those junk food things, they weren't accessible all the time. So they were, in, they never seemed to be a treat, even yeah. though my dad were they accessible all the time. By the time my half siblings, who are now teenagers, were, came along, they did have nearby McDonald's. And because my dad is. <laughs> The mm-hmm. manner he is, they just have them all the time, mm-hmm. and they have competitions about who's eating the most nuggets, oh. etc. But, but because my mum is uh, not just—I mean, she's a lot more health conscious than him, yeah. <laughs> but um, also she um, more of a snob about it. Let's yeah. be straight up. Yeah. Would be like a Burger King would be a high-end equivalent. So we'd be really? more likely every whatever four times a year that you had a, a burger restaurant yeah. dinner to get. Burger King, and I always remember that my dad would have a bacon double cheeseburger, and my mum would have a mushroom double Swiss, which they don't even do anymore. Which Is that vegetarian? No, it's a double patty, just like a bacon double cheeseburger, but with you would fucking love. It. <laughs> I can still remember the taste. Because I love mushrooms too, but with like layers of very very thinly oh. sliced. Beautifully juicy mushrooms in between. Oh, oh so good! And it was Swiss cheese. It was a very pale, very nutty Swiss cheese. Oh my god, I'm so tempted. <laughs> <laughs> because I was really like, you know, deep. You know, this this Syrian refugee taught me how to roast these things in the way that his mother taught him, and it's the most beautiful thing. And like, isn't it so healthy? It's just olive oil, oregano, five five a day and one meal. All I'm thinking about is this filthy Burger King burger that doesn't exist anymore. Oh my god! But kebabs are one of my so uh, at, um, oh god, the, 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 the kebab the kebab shop. Uh, I really wanted to when I was um, leaving uni, didn't really know what to do. I wanted to write a book about kebabs called because you know the thing it's it's on is called the an elephant's foot. Right, yeah. So I wanted to call it Under the Elephant's Foot and about how immigrant communities in different areas of the country, because I tried to visit all my friends at all the different unis uh, they were at and and try a kebab in every city. And they're very different city to city because some cities have bigger Pakistani communities, but then, you know, in student areas, you've got to be making kebabs. My mum and um, dad both um, were in Sheffield for a time, mum doing nursing and dad at uni, and they they grew up in Hampshire, and that was the first time that they were like... Wow about kebabs. There's one place for amazing. kebabs. So people have moved to there, immigrated yeah. to there, and just set up this incredible kebab shop. I was at school at Rugby, which is where Salmon Rushdie went, and the kebab shop was named after Salmon Rushdie. <gasps> it was called Salmon's. <laughs> and they claimed that Salmon Rushdie was Salmon Rushdie's favourite kebab shop. <laughs> oh god. I think so it was weird. open when he was there. Um that's very funny. Yeah, so so that was my first just experience. like every cafe in Edinburgh is where JK Rowling wrote. Her yeah, yeah. Yeah, JK sure. and this is where sure she Fires, started in here too. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. This is where Greyfire's Bobby used to do his beat when he walked past. <laughs> yeah. So scrum diddly umptious. No. And then you can be in my podcast. Scrum diddly umptious. Lake Baikal in Russia, the biggest freshwater lake in the world, puts its hands up and admits that it's got a plug in and some tool shed tells Donald Trump about it. He's going to pull it out and kill each and every one of us by sending us down a vortex to the Earth's boiling core just for a laugh, as is his way. But the lake, which has got personality and is not only sentient but in charge of its own plug, has agreed to permanently close its plug hole, but only if you, and weirdly it does have to be you, Ned, do a seven-hour jitterbug dance. 
It sounds impossible, but you do it. You're a hero. Oh my God. You've saved everyone. Your prize is a lifelong adoration of everyone you'll ever meet. Gone down in history as the man who saved us all from the lakes plug hole and Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> but your practical uh, prize for in the moment, and you're not immediately after all that exercise, you can have a shower or whatever, but you're in that, you know, the kind of dipping up after a massive sweat off, mm. that where you're like, oh, you just realise how hungry you are. Yeah. Your, re- your reward in the moment there is a feast of your dreams. And nothing in it has to be possible, it doesn't have to go together, it certainly doesn't have to be ethical or healthy. I just want to know in an absolute hypothetical dream world and you're in a joyous hungry place psychologically mm. and physically i want to know what you'd eat what you drink who with and if there's a where then where i was speaking about this kind of thing with my mum and you know my friends and family are like i love her like my you know that's my life and i do have this view of celebrities that celebrities are just people if Celebrities are someone walking down the street. Yeah. They're just a stranger. There's no, there's nothing that I'd like about a celebrity if I met them. They're just another randomer. And then a Bruce Springsteen song came on. And I was like, actually, I'd have Bruce Springsteen <laughs> <laughs> uh, singing, probably, but also just to, he's like, allowed kind of, to eat some of the stuff. yeah. You can, yeah. <laughs> he's allowed to stop for snacks. I'd have uh, the liars and the cheats in my life and teachers I didn't like. In one table, just having to having to look at me, just watch. Yeah, they can eat. Yes. They can eat all the good stuff. Oh, okay. They're there. Yeah. They don't gotta okay, see. Great. They gotta see my success. Um, <laughs> nothing toxic there. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, what would I? Oh God, it's so hard because I think I might do something a bit arsy in my answer because why change a habit of a lifetime? <laughs> I think people should know more about food cultures which are much derided. Yeah. And I think Eastern Europe has amazing food, particularly Ukraine. Mm. And Ukraine's doing something very interesting at the moment because of the war and because of its history of being kind of oppressed by all sorts of people. It has never really been allowed to be a country. And suddenly it is getting to grips with the fact that the people who live within the border of Ukraine, who largely speak Ukrainian, now... Are fighting for their survival and and, ha- and of creating their identity. Part of the way they're doing that is taking great pride in their food, right? Which is stuff like borscht and stuff mm. like uh, dumplings. But it is so much better than your idea of beetroot soup. It's they really care and they really mm. put passion in. So I quite like the idea of doing a big Ukrainian feast or Georgian because Georgian foods, I think, the best. It would be Georgian because they have like roast lamb and like curries and stuff. They have every th- their food's like a mix of everything. You're not the first person who said that. Georgian, yeah, really, really funny. Yeah, Rachel Riley, of really, yeah, oh, her partner's Russian, but yeah, really. Yeah. Oh, I've got to think of more original answers. No, it's so cool. I <laughs> yeah, love it when people. Like, honestly, I love it. But, okay, no, I, and also, Georgian, the, Georgian wine is is you can, amazing. There's no rules on this. So you can have some yeah. Georgian wine, some Georgian meats, oh, oh. <laughs> with some Ukrainian borscht. I, I just jumped out of my seat. I was so excited. <laughs> I'd start with dumplings. Okay. Kind of Ukrainian dumplings. Okay. I, I, had, I went to a restaurant and had pike dumplings, and they were the most delicious thing, one of the most delicious things I've ever had. I'm literally, I can't really talk because mm, I'm sad. Wow. The main, I would have the most ethically well-treated lamb yeah. dish. I mean, you know, the the most 
or a vegan substitute which tastes exactly the same yeah. it's the most ethically well treated lamb that's invented now yeah yeah oh my god and yeah. then like rubbed with herbs mm. and like spices like really nice and spicy with uh, like garlic I basically want a big posh donna yeah <laughs> a big posh <laughs> donna I would oh my god I'd have so I was I could do a tour around Camden of my favourite restaurants which have shut down in the last five years yeah. there is only one restaurant Andy's Taverna please go there it's Greek Cypriot every other restaurant okay I'm going to check it down. out Andy's Taverna yeah and also there's a place called Caravas which is very good Greek as well a couple of Portuguese restaurants but all the places I grew up, I would actually, now I think about it, love to get Al Parador, which is my favourite restaurant, and Viet An, which is a Vietnamese restaurant that I grew up going to. I'd love to have that pork curry oh, they did, which I'll never okay. have again, and the patatas bravas and the chorizo. So I'd have that as like a, a in-between pudding, and then for pudding pudding, I have a big old tiramisu. Yeah. Oh, and coffee. Okay. <laughs> what an amazing answer yeah. um, <laughs> I love it and is there a setting for this would you be at home no uh, <laughs> I wouldn't want because I, I would invite lots of like friends you know I'd invite people it would be too many people for home I think I'd have uh, I think I'd have it in oh god I'd have it somewhere that I've been that needs love Maybe somewhere in Ukraine that that yeah. is kind of forgotten, and we could actually really do with people going and see yeah. seeing that it's an amazing place. God, what a pre- half pretentious half. No, 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 no. It would be but lovely. I just I, I've been to Ukraine, and now I want to go. It's it's very interesting, and it's fighting a real. Mm. I'm not talking. Fuck me, how have I made this about Ukraine? <laughs> I have it at home. Yeah. I have it at home. No, just have it at home. Yeah, I have it at home. Um, but anything's possible. So we can let's just move this entire house. And everyone you want in it into the Ukraine, yeah, yeah, yeah. just to make a point, just for during this movie. It's fine. It's nice. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's what I do. Oh, quickly. Yeah. We didn't finish lunch and supper. Oh, okay. Um, okay, then lunch. Um, I'm gonna go um, Italian. No Vietnamese. Yeah, that's what Hannah Gatsby said. Spicy, saying. but. Um, it's light. Yeah. There's a lightness to it. And I know it's not the healthiest thing, but I'd rather go heavier at um, dinner time. Yeah. And so at dinner time, I'm just very torn between French and Italian. Uh, I'm going to go Italian. Yeah, yeah. You, you have pizza. Oh, and the thing that makes me most angry in food is uh, pizza with no tomato or cheese on it, because that's just an open sandwich. Um... <laughs> we'll leave on that, I think, yeah. <laughs> just to give you some hate mail just about that. Dear lovely Ned Cedric. He's posh and he bloomin' well knows it. What a poppet. Listen out in the next few weeks for his new podcast, International Dish, uh, coming from Ned and the charity Timepiece, showcasing the culinary wizardry of various refugees. Also, he's always to be found in um, Pedant's Corner on Global Pillage, a great podcast, and as part of the dream team that make up Grown Up Land, all about being terrible about being a grown up. And of course, it's on all the socials as at Ned Sedgwick. Follow us on the socials as well. We're at the Hoovering Pod on Instagram, Twitter, all of that. All of that gubbins. Follow me if you like, at Jessica Foster Q. And if you want to send me an email or find links to any of the gigs or live Hoovering shows, head over to my website, jessicafosterq.com. Huge thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast. Hoovering's produced by Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway. Until next week, happy Hoovering. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.